the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And back to our conversation. Dr. Benjamin Mast with us. His book, Second Forgetting, Remembering the Power of the Gospel During Alzheimer's Disease. You recount a story, and and listeners are certainly familiar with Albert Moeller. He is the... uh, President of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, been a guest on this program many times down through the years. You recount a story about Dr. Moeller's mother. Tell us that, if you would. Um, I actually, I don't have that story. Oh, you. all right. We'll that forgive you for that. From somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll tell the story because it's an interesting one, uh, and of course, Dr. Moeller's. Uh, mother, Christian, her entire life. And as we kind of have been describing here today, Dr. Mast, um, a case where there wasn't much interaction with people at all, but if you would go and read passages of Scripture, she would begin to recite the Scripture from memory along with you. Or if you began to sing a hymn, she'd sing the hymn along with you. was largely uncommunicative, but the minute you started sharing scripture, sharing music, she would begin to come to life and would even occasionally tell a story or two uh, very briefly about something that tied into a memory related to that particular uh, passage of scripture. And uh, the, 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 the notion of that, I think, while again, we don't want to give false hope, as we suggested before the break, I think it's demonstrative of the fact that it touches a chord at a spiritual level that goes much deeper than even our understanding of the brain. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the keys. And when you think about uh, a, a broad, uh, whole person way of caring for people that, of course, as you said, want to take care of them physically emotionally and keep them safe and protect them, but we don't want to neglect that spiritual element. Give us some perspective. Um, for caregivers, um, are there some steps? What is the what is the basic approach that we should take? Certainly, we don't want to neglect this area uh, when when caring for our loved ones. And and some listening might even take it as far as saying, Doctor Mass, my big concern is not even just about whether or not mom or dad will remember, but I'm not sure whether or not mom or dad have a relationship with Christ. Is it even possible to witness to them? Um, what about what about the the Alzheimer's patient who, having been in church their entire life, suddenly blurts out that they don't uh, believe in God. Are, are they are they capable of grasping concepts of of faith and uh, sin and salvation? Yeah, I, I think there's a number of different issues there. I mean, I think I'm glad you brought up uh, caregivers because we really haven't talked about the aspect of, of caring for caregivers as well, and I think that's an important piece that sometimes we overlook. And so as caregivers are approaching a loved one, um, they're not only uh, approaching somebody that they love and care for, but they're encountering the difficult changes. Many of them are grieving. Some of them are worn out. Some of them feel quite a bit of burden. And so as they're thinking through these issues of how to approach 
a, a person that they love and wondering where their relationship with the Lord is at. Uh, sometimes those things can be absolutely overwhelming. And one of the things you mentioned earlier is, you know, are, are we doing this for the person who's experiencing dementia, or are we doing it for ourselves as the caregiver? And I really think it's both in that the person who's the family caregiver also needs that spiritual care. And when we neglect the caregiver, we also make it doubly worse for the person who's experiencing dementia because the caregiver needs our spiritual care just as much. And so to the question of how they might think about approaching the person who has dementia or Alzheimer's disease, I think we need to keep in mind the same sort of biblical principles of ministry, that it's the Lord who does the work Mm. in terms of belief. And what we're doing is approaching the person with love and faith and hope. And so in some ways, ministering to them or, or sharing the gospel with them, we might need to use uh, you know, shorter phrases, we might need to simplify our words, we might need to do it more slowly, but I think the most important truth is that we need to do it in love and in faith, and then trust that God is doing the work in that person. We can't make anybody believe, but we can pray for them, we can approach them in love and present beautiful truths of the Lord and trust that he's going to do the work in their heart. And, and you know, it's interesting, I'm reminded of Romans 1 that reminds us that God will reveal himself to each and every one individually in his own way. I mean, oftentimes the question is raised, well, what about the community that has never been reached by a missionary? Uh, are, are, are they they doomed to hell because no one has been there to proclaim John 3.16 to them? And the answer is no, because God, again, is able to. Now, that, that doesn't relieve us of the responsibility to go out and to fulfill uh, the uh, the Great Commission. But that said, God in his own loving, gracious fashion is and does reveal himself to us. And so even if you were to talk about the patient that's in a coma, can they are they hearing us? We don't know. But we would minister them to them nevertheless, recognizing that at the end of the day, it's not about you and me. It's about the Holy Spirit moving on their heart. And so I think that uh, for caregivers, that can be a tremendous relief to just be mindful that at the end of the day, like with everyone, Alzheimer's patient or not, um, it really ultimately is the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Yes, that's right. And I think you put it really well when you talked about somebody not being able to communicate or even being in a coma. You know, we don't know what they're hearing, and we don't know what they're comprehending, and we don't know what they're responding to internally. I think that what I've encountered in working with families is sometimes people do some of these things that we've been talking about tonight, and they feel like they didn't get the response that they were hoping for. And and what I encourage people to do is just to to do it in faith, and if we're doing it only to see a particular response, we might get very frustrated, but we never know about the ways that the people might be responding to the Lord internally in an act of simple faith and trust. Um, and we essentially just keep coming back because we love and we care for them. But again, we don't necessarily always need to see a specific response from somebody because that 
that's not exactly the way ministry works. I think any pastor will tell you that. Exactly right. And again, it, it comes back full circle to the question, are we engaging in that ministry because we're trying to elicit some sort of a reaction that comforts us, or are we doing it because simply we want to be obedient to what God has asked us and called us to do in ministering to that person's need? And I think if you keep that proper perspective, not only will you be more effective at, at communicating and ministering to your family member, but it will take an enormous burden off of your own shoulders. The book is called Second Forgetting, Remembering the Power of the Gospel During Alzheimer's Disease by Dr. Benjamin Mass. Dr. Mass, thank you so much for your time and the insights today. It's, it's been enjoyable and, and hopefully uh, very instructive and encouraging for our listeners. Thanks. It's my pleasure. Let me mention, by the way, the book is available through his website at benjaminmast.com. That's benjaminmast.com. Again, newly published by Zondervan Press. You'll find it at bookstores across the Bay Area as well as through the usual suspects, uh, amazon.com or at Dr. Mast's website, benjaminmast.com. The publisher was kind enough to send us two copies. And uh, I promise you, while this one has been opened, it hasn't been written in. Normally, I scribble in books. I didn't do it today. Uh, and uh, that was intentional because I want to give away copies of the book. So um, we're going to make this easy on you and easy on Joel. Uh, if you'd like to have a copy of this book and you think you would be ministered to by it um, or know someone that would be ministered to by it, um, I'm going to give away two copies of the book to the first two callers, 888 That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. The rest of you will have to go out and buy a copy, but that's okay. But if you have been touched by this book and um, would like to read it for yourself and think it would be an encouragement to you or your family, callers number one or two, and we'll drop it off in the mail to you. 888-367-5329-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Callers one or two. And uh, we'll get this off to you. Second, forgetting, remembering the power of the gospel during Alzheimer's disease. 888-367-5329. Traffic right now, and Michael Bennett is not with us, but we've got Steve Ferrer with us the latest. <laughs> all right, Steve, it's all yours. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're going to get into some exciting conversation. We welcome into the studios, certainly no stranger to the KFAX microphones. He is the senior pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship and speaker on the broadcast Destined for Victory, which will launch here on KFAX this coming Monday at 3.30 p.m. That's Monday through Friday at 3.30 right here on KFAX. And delighted to welcome to the KFAX studios, Pastor Paul Shepard. Pastor Paul, wonderful to see you. Greg, it's good to see you. It's been quite a while since we've been able to hang out together in a studio, but I'm honored to be here. Well, an honor to have you with us today. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're gathering here today where, gee, there's so much going on that I think is capturing not only the, the minds of Americans and believers, certainly in the San Francisco Bay Area, that is pulling for not only our attention, but I think a lot of our, our stress and worries, whether we talk about the instability on Wall Street these days, concerns over the, the political direction of our country, and then I think closer to home for believers, there is growing concern about the moral and spiritual direction of our nation. And it's funny because we were talking off the air 
uh, before the broadcast today about the notion of where our nation's roots are. Yes. Uh, historically, spiritually, we know the major influence that the church had in the founding of our nation. And yet today, that influence seems to have waned at a time where perhaps more so than ever before, this nation is desperate for answers. Absolutely. I am convinced that uh, if we still want to hold out for the hope that we are at our core a Christian nation, uh, we certainly need to own and admit the fact that our nation is doing a really good pagan heathen imitation. And therefore, we have to kind of have the mindset, I believe, of the first century church that did not uh, presume that people would be open to the gospel. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God unto salvation. And I believe like never before, we have to get back to firm, solid preaching of the gospel, which is good news, not bad news, but good news, because it says that Jesus is the answer to whatever our questions and challenges are. Now, when you say first century church, because some people hear that and they think, well, sure, you're, you're talking about a period where they had strong influence of the apostles who had walked and talked with Jesus, uh, the early days of the founding of the church, the spreading of the gospel like wildfire, the influence of the Holy Spirit taking the gospel into all these tribes, all these tongues, all across uh, that, that portion of the world. They had it easy. Well, I would beg to differ from those who say that they had it easy because they walked into uh, cities and towns that were thoroughly pagan. Uh, They worshiped false gods in big numbers. They had temples erected uh, for the purposes of prostitution and all kinds of things. And so we really need to understand that their absence of a knowledge of who Jesus was Uh, presented the opportunity for the church to come in, not just with words, as Paul said in one letter, but with power. And I think we're right back there again. I think our prayer meetings, our Bible studies need to be full of people who say, God, help us to represent you in a way that is fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can make a difference and let our light shine in 21st century America. The reflection of the church today as the church in the first century Uh, also holds up the mirror of the circumstances in which that church was struggling and in the embryonic stages uh, learning to grow. Can we see a solid comparison between America today and the Rome of that time? I I think about rampant paganism, heathenism, a government that was out of control, persecution taking place. Uh, there were a lot of those first century Christians who, who spent their days and nights in catacombs and, and, and hiding out because literally their lives were on the line because they were following this person named Jesus. That's really true. And the church in that day had to be wise enough to be in the world, but not of the world. I think about the fact that in his letter to the church at Philippi, Paul talked about saints who were in Caesar's household. And I thought, wow, what a challenge for them to be employees, literally, of Caesar, who represents himself to be God to the Roman world. And yet people who truly worship Jesus never compromised their faith, were employed there and were in Caesar's household. And I think we more and more have to see ourselves as living and working in Caesar's household uh, in the various corporations where we all work and serve here in the Bay Area and beyond. We just have to see that God has me there. It's not necessarily a Christ-friendly atmosphere, 
but we can represent Christ without compromise and with the love of Jesus and take it to this lost world. Some people, Pastor Paul, see that that environment of, of persecution, hostility towards faith, such as what we're experiencing in America today. And they say, nothing good can come out of this. And yet I have to wonder, we see so many examples of where uh, trials, trial by fire, in fact, doesn't hurt, but purifies. I look, for example, at what's happened to the church in China, where in the late 1940s after the war, communists took over. They shut down all of the churches. They kicked out all of the missionaries. They arrested all the pastors. They closed down all the seminaries. And a church that at that time maybe had 80,000, 100,000 believers in it, today has upwards of maybe 80 million, 100 million. Who knows? I mean, those are just the government estimates. Wow. And that absent organized church services, (laughs) there's no camp meetings, there's no Christian radio stations, uh, there are restrictions on even what can be preached publicly. So much of the church has had to go underground, and yet it's exploded. And I look at that, and I have to wonder to myself, as we're looking at this comparison between the church in America today and the first century church in America today and Rome, if perhaps there's a degree to which some of what we're going through, these trials and testings, can in fact not not help to purify the church and even make us stronger. That's my prayer, that what we're going through now will catapult us into a place where we feel desperate enough to get back to the basics of knowing the the gospel has power in it. Believers have to move toward real unity. We have to stop fighting over non-essential things. We're free to debate them, but we need to keep the main thing the main thing, which is this is a lost and dying world. Its one and only answer is Jesus Christ. We exist. We're in business to represent him. He has given us the power of his spirit, which we have to tap into more and more every day and say, God, make us the explosive body of Christ that you designed for us to be. When you say back to basics, is there a suggestion there that maybe some of the church has lost its first love, that we need to maybe stop for a minute and rethink? Because there's a lot of cases where it seems as if the power of the church has atrophied, and we're going through the motions. It is about where we go on Sunday, but how we live Monday through Saturday seems to be a disconnect. Yes, sir. I believe that we have to understand that back to the basics means that Christianity is really not at its core a religion that uh, would suggest we would go through our rituals and motions. It is a relationship, a dynamic, life-changing relationship with the one and only Savior of the world. We have to get back to representing Christ, studying Christ, knowing Christ, embracing and surrendering his plan for our lives, confessing wrong and faults in our own lives, because I don't think we can uh, preach to the church until we're dealing with our own issues. I certainly uh, have a degree in that over the past several years as I've grappled with my own and seen God do some wonderful transforming things in my own life and in my own ministry. And I think we really have to let the world know we're not so much religious as we are people who are radical for Jesus, and we know he has the power to change our world for the better. If you've just joined our conversation on this edition of Lifeline, Pastor Paul Shepard joins us, his broadcast, Destined for Victory, 
begins this coming Monday and will be heard Monday through Friday at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. I'll mention, too, if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area, perhaps looking for a church home, check out the Sunday services of Destiny Christian Fellowship. They're located at 42326 Albray Street. That's right off the Auto Mall Parkway exit from 880 in Fremont. Information available on the web, by the way, about the radio ministry at pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. And if you'd like to drop by for a visit some Sunday morning, you can check them out on the web at destinybayarea.org. That's destinybayarea.org. A brief time out. Back to more of our conversation as this edition of Lifeline with Pastor Paul Shepard continues right after a little break. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline on this Thursday. We're visiting today in studio with Pastor Paul Shepard, certainly no stranger to the KFAX microphones. His radio broadcast, by the way, Destined for Victory, will come to San Francisco in the Bay Area beginning this Monday and will be heard right on KFAX Monday through Friday at 3.30 p.m. You can get more information on the web, by the way, about the broadcast ministry of Pastor Paul Shepard. It's simply pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. We were talking just before the break about this comparison, this sense that you have that we're really sort of beginning to see uh, a repeat of history, that more and more the struggles that the church is facing looks like the first century church, and the environment, the, the, the culture in which we live today, certainly in America, is looking more and more like the culture of Rome back in the first century. Absolutely. With that, uh, this back-to-basics notion, do you think that really we have sort of accidentally redefined what it means to be a believer and as a result taken the power out? And, and I, I pose that question because when you go to the average church today, they'll sign you up for a membership class and they'll talk to you all about uh, what they believe and how they want you to behave. And when your turn comes to host the bake sale or attend the men's fellowship group, <laughs> things of this sort, and yet there seems to be a greater distance between what it means to be a member of a denomination versus to be a disciple. And I I see nowhere in Scripture where we were mandated to go out and add members to the church. He said to go out and make disciples. What, What should that look like? Well, I believe the making of disciples means that we get back to the business of saying, what was God's original plan when he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. What does that mean? I believe it means, number one, the church belongs to God. Its agenda then must be God's plan. And we really have to define ourselves. I think we have to go back to our mission statements in all of our churches and say, do we exist on paper for the reasons given us and authorized by the scriptures? And in many cases, we'll find that we have matters of importance to us that really aren't matters of importance to God. So when you bring up the issue of discipleship, that's my heartbeat. My job as a pastor in the body of Christ is to teach and train and equip people to live the life we were called to live. And therefore, we have to go beyond organizing well. It's important to organize well, but we have to tap into the fact that the church is is more an organism than it is an organization. It's got to have the life of Christ. So we have to have prayer. We have to have real seeking of the Holy Spirit. 
We have to exercise the gifts he's given us under the power that he's given us. And we really have to look at what it means to follow Jesus in every area of our lives. That following and what you've described as sort of the fundamentals of what discipleship really means says a lot towards the the empowerment of the church, the maturization of the church, uh, the church really rediscovering its first love, drawing closer to Jesus Christ. But there's, a, there's another tier, there's another impact as a result of all of that that I think uh, is, is, is important to, to discuss, and that is what it means in terms of the influence to the outside world. We look at pop culture today, Pastor Paul, we see a world that is struggling with its identity, a sense of purpose, meaning there is infighting, whether we talk about the divorce rate between couples, whether we talk about some of the challenges that we've seen racially in this country in the last uh, number of years. It, it, it is clear, I think, to even the casual observer that there is a world around us and a culture and a society that, that is becoming unhinged. As the church gets focused on what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, isn't that also going to empower us to have greater impact? Because at the end of the day, if the church cannot be about first and foremost reconciliation and restoration, it's all pretty pointless. That is a great observation. I believe those two words are the key to getting back on track if we're part of a body of believers that have gotten off track. We've got to look at the fact that God sent his son to reconcile man to God and then to reconcile men one to another. So that theme of reconciliation that we find strongly in many passages, including 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we're told very specifically that God in Christ is reconciling the world to himself. And then we see many passages that tell us about the importance of reconciling with one another. That is crucial. I think we've got to get back to the business of that. And the other word you used, restoration. Anything that is wrong can be restored by the power of God, whether it is bad dynamics in a marriage, in our personal lives. God is into restoring I often say that God is the ultimate recycler. He does not waste anything or anyone. Once we present ourselves to him and put ourselves in a position to allow him to do his work, the potter knows how to take the clay and mold it into what he has designed it to be. We've seen in the last year or so an increased focus on the, the struggles that our nation seems to be having in certain communities in terms of reconciliation. Yes. Um, and you know, we won't take the time to go into them all. Everybody listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it, and it, it, it dawns on me that if we as the church could demonstrate what it means for us as believers to be reconciled unto God. Here is a holy, pure, righteous, without blame or sin, perfect God whose creation has sinned and offended as a stench in God's nostrils in so many ways, and yet through the power of the work of his Son on the cross, we have been able to find forgiveness and reconciliation under the Father. Now, if, if God can forgive us for the, the, the sins and, and wounds that we have committed to him, 
I would imagine that that could really serve. If we're really living out the totality of that, if we know what it means to offend God, we know what it means to then be covered by the blood of his son and for God to so totally forgive us through that substitutionary work of Christ on the cross and can live out what it means to then be reconciled as the creation unto the creator, what an amazing model that could be. I would imagine there would be no offense then between husband or wife, father or son, one race or another that couldn't look at that and say, if God has provided a way by which his creation can be reconciled unto him, then that same forgiveness can then be shared on the horizontal plane amongst one another. I believe that is the key to reconciliation among people. We have to get back to the fact of realizing God has forgiven us and restored us to relationship with him, and there is no excuse for us to not be active in the business of reconciling one with another. Now, we can forgive people even if we can't be reconciled to them. And what I mean by that is uh, forgiveness is a decision I make based on what Christ has done for me. And so I can offer someone forgiveness in my heart even if they don't want it. I have forgiven them in my heart, and I'm prepared to extend it to them in person if they want to receive it from me. And so there is always forgiveness. I believe we've got to be in the forgiving business and then as much as possible be in the reconciling business, which takes another step. It means two people have to come together, have to be willing to acknowledge where they've wronged one another, and then they have to build a new bridge. Uh, I once uh, wrote a book years ago called Build a Bridge and Get Over It. And literally, we have to learn to build bridges so that we can cross over into the lives of other people. But whether or not we're willing to reconcile, and sometimes that takes a cooperation that someone else isn't willing to give, we can always forgive. We can always have the love of Christ. Christ loved people even when they walked away from him, as proof uh, from the rich young ruler's story. And so we can always forgive, and we should always look to wherever we can reconcile. Some of the folks eavesdropping on our conversation today who are familiar with your ministry uh, may have a question, and I want you to speak to this if you would, Pastor Paul. Sure. If the gospel was strictly about reconciliation, wow, that in and of and by itself is so over-the-top amazing. We could talk for hours, and books have been written on the topic. Sermons have been preached for hours on it. But the gospel is not just about reconciliation. It's also about restoration. Yes. God doesn't find us broken and say, okay, you were broken. I now forgive you. He finds us broken, and then he brings about restoration. Speak to that, if you would. Well, I love the fact that God is a restorer, that when something is broken and restoration implies that there's been something broken, something has gone wrong. And that has happened, if we'll all just be honest, that's happened in all of our lives first and foremost. Mm -hmm. He created us for a specific purpose that because of sin we went astray from. And so all of us have experienced restoration in the sense of our initial um, coming back to God and him restoring us to relationship with himself. 
But if we'll be honest, restoration happens throughout our lifetime as we as different areas break in our lives. We can have broken relationships with people. We can have broken spiritual connections. Some people once got saved, but they haven't prayed in the longest time. They don't read the word. They don't have a sense of fellowship with God. And so that breaks. We can have brokenness in our finances. Anytime we are doing and experiencing that which is not God's plan for us, we are candidates for restoration. And the good news is that the Bible has precepts and principles for us to be restored in every area. As a pastor, I never have to go into a a brain freeze and wonder, oh, what in the world should I preach about? Just look at what needs to be fixed that's broken in our lives, and I've always got something to preach about. And the Bible has precepts and principles to give us victory in those areas. Just a bit of a glimpse of what you'll enjoy on the broadcast, Destined for Victory. Again, the broadcast Monday through Friday, 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. More information about Destined for Victory on the web at PastorPaul.net. That's PastorPaul.net. And again, if you're new to the Bay Area or looking for a church home and uh, would perhaps like to come and visit on a Sunday morning, Destiny Christian Fellowship Church, located at 42326 Albrey in the city of Fremont. And you can check out the church on the web, get more information and directions. Simply go to destinybayarea.org. That's destinybayarea.org. And again, uh, make a note on your calendar, if you would, Monday's broadcast, 3.30 p.m., of Destined for Victory with Pastor Paul Shepard right here on KFAX. Pastor Paul, thanks for dropping by. Thanks so much. Glad to be with you, Craig. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.